Are you here? So welcome indeed to the Paul Leslie Hour. We're delighted to present fiddler, guitarist, singer-songwriter, Mr. Levi Lowry. Now, this is one of Paul's all-time favorite shows featuring an interview and stunning acoustic and vocal performances recorded just for all you listeners. Levi's great-great-grandfather was influential in the development of bluegrass, and Lowry began playing the violin in the sixth grade. By high school, he was singing, and before long, playing guitar and writing songs. After a performance in New York City, an Atlantic Records executive told Lowry, I had to meet you. You silenced a New York City crowd. You'll definitely want to check out Levi's latest album entitled Another Way. You can also help keep the Paul Leslie Hour going. Visit thepaulleslie.com slash support and we thank you. Now let's get this thing going. You're going to love Levi Lowry. Ladies and gentlemen, listening from around the world, I'm here in the studio of Mr. Levi Lowry. So first of all, thank you so much for making the time to do this. I appreciate you coming out, Paul. It's a real pleasure. I think most stories are best from the beginning. Where were you born, and what was life like for you growing up? I was actually born right around the corner from where we're at now in a little town called Harbins, Georgia, in the city limits of Decula. You know, life was pretty, pretty damn simple, actually, just... That's the best way to describe it. It's just simple. Where did the music bug bite you? I had grew up around a, a musical family of sorts. My, my great-great-grandfather was Gid Tanner from Gid Tanner and the Skillet Lickers, uh, one of the first bands to sell a million copies, according to uh, Zell Miller's book, Music in Georgia. So I grew up around old-timey North Georgia string band music, is what they called it. It was kind of a precursor to bluegrass. Every Friday night I was at place called the chicken house playing or trying to play fiddle that's where i cut my teeth playing with a bunch of you know guys that were 30 40 years older than me those were kind of my friends that was my social life growing up was just hanging out and playing music so you play the fiddle you play the guitar we're surrounded by instruments tell us about the instruments you play you know pretty much any any kind of stringed instrument i'm i can i can make my way around on it not a great drummer. There's a drum kit sitting right there next to you, but I, that's not mine. And we've been using that to record a, a little EP that we're doing here at the house. And I can't play piano. Drums are piano pretty much out, but uh, I fake my way around a little bit of everything else. Can you remember your early musical loves? Definitely. One of the first bands that I really latched on onto, oddly enough, was uh, Leonard Skinner. They still remain one of my favorite bands of all time and probably always will be can't fault you there what about now as your tastes have changed has there been people that you've discovered certainly but yeah absolutely daryl scott is a huge hero of mine i've had i've had a really diverse group of heroes growing up i guess you know first it was it was uh, ronnie van zant you know uh, secondly mark o'connor fiddle player one of the greatest fiddle players in the world probably the best musician in the world honestly in my opinion He's just a Texas fiddle player that got bored and started writing symphonies. You know, he's just a genius. From there, I really latched on to Bush Walker with The Marvelous Three, a local band back in the 90s around here in Atlanta. I fell in love with his performance and his delivery. That's when I really decided that's what I wanted to do, was connect with an audience in that way. You know, if maybe not that way, but, but affect an audience like he could. That's what I wanted to do. 
And from there, I'd have to say Daryl Scott, you know, Chris Christopherson. And, and my taste in music has shifted dramatically towards the lyric. You know, Chris, the first time I heard him, I really didn't care too much for his voice. But I can listen to him for days and days now because the lyric is just so powerful that it overrides the, you know, lack of t- talent, you know, for lack of a better term, talent. He's not the greatest singer in the world, but he'll tear your heart out with a line. I remember it was a few months ago. I saw you at one of your gigs and I heard a song that you did called Something More. And I remember thinking at that exact moment, I need to be on the lookout for this guy, Levi Lowry. So here we are today. But tell us about that song. That song is basically about something that my wife had said to me at one point in our marriage was uh, she she said that she needed something more than I could give her. And, you know, being creative by nature, I took I took that to the extreme and kind of applied that to another character and, and had him go a little bit too far. And, you know, it's basically a song about suicide. Hmm. And it's, uh, it's irony in that he, the, the, the line says, he took his last breath in, gave to her his will to live, but she'd say, I need something more than you can give. So it's just kind of dramatic irony, you know. Ladies and gentlemen, Levi Lowry's going to play it for all you listeners out there. Well, she said, I need something more than you can give. Did not stick around to say goodbye Not a word was said, not a tear was shed She slammed the door and peeled out of the drive Ten years of fighting for love gone wrong Left him tired, scarred, and ready just to die Turned that bottle up on him Took 15 pills and closed his weary eyes He took his last breath in Gave to her his will to live She'd say I need something more Flash right before his eyes The truth revealed In pictures black and white And he saw the day that he met her And he saw the dreams That he had sacrificed Well I'd like to say That he changed his mind I'd like to say That he had one regret His arms like the perfect lover, he just ain't found yet. He took his last breath in and gave to her his will to live. 
Thank you, Levi. You have an association with a, a Georgia musician who's gaining in popularity, and rightfully so, and his name is Mr. Zach Brown. I was hoping you could tell us about meeting Zach and also about the fact that you're going to be playing some shows with Zach Brown coming up. Yeah, I'm, I met Zach Brown probably going on five years ago now, I guess, and I met him through Sonia Lee. I started playing fiddle for Sonia Lee. Our first gig was playing Zach's set break at the Dixie Tavern in Marietta, which a lot of people say that's where he kind of got started, but it's not necessarily true because he was, he, he did build a really big thing there, but, uh, Zach has been touring, you know, for 13 years pretty much. He's been really working hard. And anyway, so I, I met him at Dixie Tavern, you know, basically he knew of me and, I knew of him. We became acquaintances and friends, and he ended up hearing one of my songs, Rosalie and Otis, at uh, Eddie's Attic. I was opening up for Daryl Scott, actually. He he ended up coming out. He's a Daryl Scott fan as well and wanted to show support for me, so he came out a little bit early. And I played that song and looked down, and uh, Zach and Shelley, his, his wife, were sitting there crying hmm. during that song. And, and it was shortly after that that he approached me about wanting that song for a record. And one thing kind of led to another and, and uh, signed with his label, Southern Ground, and hitting the road with him this fall. So we'll be doing a little over 30 shows is what's on the books right now until uh, the second half of December, starting the the 24th. Very good. So tell us about that song, Rosalie and Otis. That song was written about a, an older couple that I grew up next door to in Harbin's. They were kind of like my grandparents, but we weren't related. And we, uh, it's it's basically about uh, Otis passing away and and how Rosalie dealt with it. It was, and it's kind of their story. I always tell people every word of the song is true. I just kind of made it rhyme, but uh, it, it's one of those that came really fast. And it's just a true story. That's all there is to it. It's really hard to explain it because I left it so simple. And there's not a lot of whole there's there's not a whole lot of flowery language or you know description and and all that stuff. It's more just simple words for a simple story, but it's one of the most powerful stories I've ever been able to put into a song. Love it if you could play it for all the listeners yeah. out there. Yeah. Well, Lotus loved the bottle before he found Rosalie. She found a better man in him. They raised a family. When I met him, he was a preacher in the Southern Baptist Church. And I never heard him raise his voice. I never heard him curse. He just loved her in the morning till the sun went down at night. Yeah, Rosalie and Otis never left each other's side. As far as I can tell, that's love, that's exactly what I want Will you love me when I'm sober? Will you love me when 
Talks to his old clothes and washes his old car. And they sit out on the front porch and at night they count the stars. She feels them in the cool night when she hears them in her heart. And as far as I can tell, that's love. That's exactly what I want. Will you love me when I'm living? Will you love me when I'm not? sun went down at night Yeah, Rosalie and Otis never left each other's side As far as I can tell, that's love That's exactly what I want Will you love me when I'm living? Will you love me when I'm not? That was lovely. Thank you. Barry, I can see why he liked that song so much. I appreciate it. Great story. If you could put it into words, what is it that you like about music? I don't know if I can put that into words, man. I don't know. It's just something that I have to do, something I've always had to do. I wake up, you know, thinking about it. I go to bed thinking about it. I just eat, sleep, breathe, you know, drink music. That's just it. Almost to the point where I don't even know how to define music anymore. It's just, it's just yeah. it. It just is. And it's just what I'm here to do. There's a show that you're going to be doing coming up at the fabulous Fox Theater. Yeah. I'm in very Atlanta, Georgia. And it's to benefit the Georgia Theater. Right. In right. Athens. Yeah. A legendary venue. It's been home to so many good times of me and everybody that's been there. Absolutely. So tell us about that gig. Man, I'm I'm really happy for for two reasons. One, I love the Georgia Theater, and I've had a lot of good times there as well, and love playing it. They've always treated me good in Athens, and my band when we first started out playing. That's if you wanted to know where we were playing at, it was somewhere in Athens. We played everywhere out there: Taste of World, Caledonia, you know, Forty Watt, the theater, DTS. For year, we played DTS straight for about a year. We were probably there at least once a week. <laughs> So I'm a huge fan of Athens in general, and I have a lot of friends in Athens, and I'm heavily involved in that music scene out there as well. That's one of the main reasons. Secondly, I never thought I'd be standing on the, the stage at the Fox. I'm, I'm really excited about playing that, and you know, it's pretty much the house that Van Zandt saved. 
really looking forward to, to stand on that same stage, you know, for a good cause to boot. For a good cause. Yeah. And man, when you're standing up there, think about all of the legends that have graced that stage, oh, I man. I know. It's, it's ridiculous. I, I never, like I said, I never thought I'd be up there. You're so humble. But it's going to be great. It's going to be incredible. There's a lot of really good musicians coming out, not just Zach. And, you know, on the label is, is on Southern Ground, Zach signed myself, Sonia Lee, and uh, Nick Cowan. So all three of us are hitting the road with Zach. So they'll be a part of the show as well at the Fox. We've also got Sean Mullins coming out. And there's talk of, of a few others that are it's exciting, but some are not confirmed yet and some I'm not able to announce and right. stuff like that. There's another song of yours called Wherever We Break Out. Wherever we break down. Break down. Yeah. Tell us about that one. That song's about being evicted. My wife was pregnant. We had a we had a boy and we were having a very hard time making ends meet and were evicted, you know, kicked out of this house and there was a short period of time there where we had no idea what we were gonna do. Somehow the song came out of that. I tell people I don't mean this in a negative way, the song's almost a lie because I was not feeling this hopeful at the at the moment, you know what I mean? It it just it's a hopeful kind of love song, but I was very depressed at the time that I wrote this tune. I guess I was just almost trying to comfort myself with a song or something. I'll do that one. So long for this poor man's castle Yes, we could borrow a little more I could sell off some guitars Or we could lose this hassle Cause I Well, I don't need a roof above my head And I'd sleep Well, I'd sleep in the dirt If you hold my hand Wherever we break down We'll make our stand So let's pack up what we can Leave it all to chance and hit the road Maybe northbound for Montana Or south down to Savannah on the coast Cause either way the skies are clear we could disappear without a trace No more 
more bills to pay No more games to play And no more rat race Cause I I don't need a roof above my head And I'd sleep I'd sleep in the dirt if you hold my hand Wherever we break down, we'll make our stand think sometimes that the hardships that we endure are meant to happen sometimes absolutely because you know it's just like that song you had this experience that was a negative experience but you turned it into a song i believe that we're placed in situations for a reason Mm -hmm. and i believe that the outcome is known by the person who places us in those situations but i believe we're free to make our own decisions and uh, a lot of the hardship we bring upon ourselves ultimately the outcome is is worked for the good, you know, of the, of the person that's going through the, the hardship. For the, the good. The author, Pat Conroy, who wrote Beach Music and he wrote The Prince of Tides. I heard this interview he did not that recently, but he said there's more music in loss. Oh, yeah. And I wrote this down. It's just funny that you played that song because this reminded me of something I wrote down yesterday to a friend of mine. I told him, if you could do it all over again, would you? Would I? Would you or I get to the places and experiences we desired sooner? Did the places and experiences we did not want make the places and experiences we did want sweeter? Would avoiding some of the heartbreak ironically make the whole trip less memorable and meaningful? Was the toil and hardship necessary? Did the misery ironically make the whole journey sweeter? We celebrate our wins not because of our wins, but because of our losses. So all I know is that Pat Conroy is right. There is more music in loss. Absolutely. And you just proved that. I mean, you sum it all up, you can, can't really appreciate the, the light until you've experienced the darkness. Yeah. That's just all there is to it. Well, you have an upcoming album. Tell all the listeners about that. I will be coming out sometime this fall. We're doing a soft release to sell while we're on the road. For my rhythm section, I had Matt Mangano, 
played with everybody from Daryl Scott to John Mayer and everybody in between. On drums, I had Chris Fryer, Sweet, as we call him on the road. He's uh, Zach's drummer, Zach Brown's drummer. I've also got Clay Cook working on this record, Zach himself, and uh, John Hopkins. All three of those guys are working on it as, as kind of taking a production role, a producer's role. We had John Kelton come in to engineer, and John Kelton's going to mix it. But all I have so far for me to listen to off of this new record is scratch vocals and guitar and drums and bass. Clay's been working on it. A good friend of mine, Barry Waldrop, who's actually going to be hitting the road with us in the fall as well. He's been working on it. If it fails to meet my expectations, I would be very surprised. I'm very, I'm very happy with, with the people that are on it. There's also talk of getting Daryl Scott involved on it, play a little bit, which I'm thrilled about. Well, maybe you'd like to give us a sneak view of one of the songs. One of the songs on there is called Indictment Number 2. Yes. Let's hear about that song, and then maybe you'd like to play it. Absolutely. Well, Indictment Number 1 was on the record I've Held the Devil's Hand, which is on iTunes now. And indictment number one was, was centered around American Christianity and got the title basically from Martin, who went around hanging up indictments on everybody's wall back in the, you know, the Reformation days. This song is, is more about American society and it's, but it takes the same approach. It's called indictment number two. It's just a satire is all it is. I was listening to a lot of Todd Snyder at the time that I wrote this. And so God bless Todd Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> God for freedom, cause we could not be here. Two miles from a strip mall, a fridge full of beer in suburban America. We can live happy and white. Tell me, is this a dream that they had in mind? Did they live, fight, and die so we could spend all our time keeping up with the Joneses? With the money and homes that we buy We think we're better than our next door neighbor Who plays his damn music too loud And our yard is nicer Just look at our sign We're the best maintained lawn in this town Just living the American More like a nightmare that I can't wake up from Being chased by a rat race I'm too poor to outrun Telling you it don't matter How you're keeping score What cause may be better What you're living for Cause the dates and the names The only difference between my tombstone and yours Mansions right down the road from a cardboard box village 
We turn up our nose on the way to the nightclub I hear it's the place to be seen And I know it's cliche cause it's most likely true Before the grace of God Almighty well, That could be you begging for some change So you can get a little something to eat All we can think of whose bed will end up in So we can impress all our friends So let's drink one more round to peace, love and fast food And all of the money that we spend Just living the American dream It's more like a nightmare that I can't wake up from being chased by a rat race I'm too poor to outrun Telling you it don't matter How you're keeping score What cause may be better What you're living for Cause the dates and the names The only difference between my tombstone and yours The dates and the names The only difference Between my tombstone and yours All right Clever song, Levi I appreciate it I have a few more questions When somebody listens to you performing Or when they listen to one of your recordings What do you hope the listener gets out of that? I hope they find somebody they can relate to, honestly. I've, I found an old journal from when I was in, let's see. I think it was my freshman year of high school or something like that. I'm not sure, but I was younger anyway. I wrote I wrote down on the top of this one page that said, if I can make someone feel the way I felt when I wrote that song, then that's the most important thing to me. That's what I want to accomplish, basically. I think that's all anybody could really ask for. What is your all-time favorite meal? Well, it changes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that changes. I'll tell you what. My all-time favorite meal is driving down to uh, Anna Maria Island in Tampa Bay and uh, heading down to the Longboat Key Pier. They have this little restaurant down there on the pier, and I, I get a grouper sandwich and a Malibu. Before I go visit any of my friends or let anybody know I'm in town, I sit on that pier and, and eat a grouper sandwich and drink a Malibu. At least one Malibu. I think that's it. But it's, you know, mostly the atmosphere that creates that. But My final question, thanks to the powers of technology, this broadcast is going out all over the world. What would you like to say to all the people that are listening in? <laughs> I could be really, I could be a smart ass. www.levilowry.com <laughs> I can't fault you there. No, let's see. I, Go support local music. I think that's that'd probably be the best best thing I could say. Just go see a live show. I hear stories about the seventies all the time, the, the music scene, and and I, I'd really like a return to that. I'd really like a return to doing things that way and going out to a to a venue not to dance and drink, but to go see a band. And I see it shifting that way. And so I guess that that's what I would tell everybody: support local music, no matter where you're at. Go find a band and. You know, start stalking them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Mr. Lowry, thank you so much 
for everything. Absolutely. This has been a great interview, and it's been wonderful to hear you play. Thank you for putting up on my voice. I've no, no, <laughs> my pleasure. I'm sorry, but thank you for coming out and doing this, and I'm honored to be a part of it. I remember catching your show on some uh, Radio Margaritaville. During our heyday, yep. Nice, yeah. So, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song, courtesy of John Primerano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good. <laughs>